Thank you for downloading the Aging Matters podcast. To find out more about how Transitions Life Care is providing care and comfort for life's changing needs, visit transitionslifecare.org. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Nicole Cleggett and Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Good Saturday evening to you. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett, who represents Transitions Life Care and Transitions Guiding Lights. Nicole, what a difference a week makes. How are, how are you doing? Oh, my goodness. It sure is a big difference. And I know um, this uh, COVID-19 virus is really on everybody's mind and in particular, um, really on my mind a lot because of the population that I have um, given my entire profession to, which is older adults and their caregivers. And, and as we know, uh, this COVID-19 is particularly dangerous for those at-risk groups. So I am so grateful and pleased to have the time with uh, Dr. Adam Walk this morning, who works with Alignment Healthcare. And he's going to really talk to us about sort of what exactly uh, COVID-19 is and what we can do to really help protect those that we are caring for in the community to really help mitigate the risks that they will have a, a severe event with this virus. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me, Nicole. It's nice to be here. Yeah. So, you know, gosh, and I know a lot of us are just starting to really feel like we're on COVID overload with it's just completely taken over all of our news and our social media feeds and and things of that nature. But I really feel like, you know, it's people are sort of polarized. Some people really think like, you know, this is just not a big deal at all. Why are we so worried about this? You know, children are fine, young adults are fine, this isn't even as big of a deal as the regular flu, you know, why, why, why all this drama about this COVID-19? And so I was hoping you could help illuminate that issue for us. Thanks, Nicole. This is a big deal. This is not the flu. For 80% of Americans, for four out of five of our listeners here, it is going to be like a mild flu, maybe a, maybe a, a low-grade fever, maybe a slight cough, maybe you just don't feel quite right. But for 20% of us, it's going to be much more severe. And that's why we need to take all the steps we can now to help prevent the spread of this infection. The problem is, for, and particularly for seniors who are over the age, and I'm, I'm picking the age of 60, some people say 65, particularly those seniors who have diseases like diabetes, lung disease, and heart disease, COVID-19 represents a real risk of serious a serious medical emergency, including hospitalization. The mortality rate for seniors greater than 80 is 15%. That means um, you know, roughly one out of six will succumb to this. The great news about this is that we can do things right now to protect our most vulnerable in our society. And that involves taking seriously the government's messaging about social distancing. And we can talk a little bit more, uh, more, more about that um, in a few minutes. Yeah, you know, um, and, and I think that's really kind of what folks are, are trying to, to really help understand, you know, what exactly is social distancing? And what does that mean for me? What does that mean for my family? You know, and how do I actually do it in a way that will actually make a difference? So I want to I want everyone to be to be clear, each one of us can make a difference. We are all part of the fight. Social distancing is basically a strategy to help 
prevent the spread of the infection. This infection spreads probably, and we're still learning about it, probably just as easily or, or maybe more easily than the flu does. It spreads via droplets um, and respiratory droplets. So like the flu, if you're, if you're coughing or sneezing, those droplets get into the air. And there's a, we think there's about a six-foot radius between, radius meaning distance between you and someone else that is kind of like the danger zone. So the first thing you can do is if you start to feel sick, if you start to have cold-like symptoms or a cough or a low-grade fever, you definitely need to be isolated away from your family and particularly away from the vulnerable folks. Because remember, for the average American family, they're going to get COVID and they're going to be fine. Mm -hmm. It's those vulnerable folks who may be living in the same dwelling, who may be seeing you or your children regularly that need protection. So you should be isolating yourself. You should be washing your hands frequently. Um, 20 seconds. You got to sing the birthday song twice. Mm-hmm. You need to not be touching your face, which is extremely difficult. I mean, right now as I'm driving in right? to work, I'm, I was touching my face because it's allergy season. We all want to rub our eyes and rub our noses. We need to really make a conscious effort to stop doing that. So social distancing is everyone's responsibility. For the seniors, it's imperative that they do several things. The first is really try to stay home as much as possible. And that's really a difficult ask. We are social creatures. It's going to be hard. It's going to be lonely. Um, For some of us, it's going to be hard to get food. It's going to be hard to get medications. So we need to come. Each senior is going to need a family member or a caregiver to help get them through this crisis. But there are lots of opportunities to leverage delivery services, for example, online groceries, online pharmacy, um, social media. Um, for example, my family watched, you know, sat down on Sunday and we watched a church service that was telecast through YouTube. I know not all of our seniors have access to the internet and maybe some like my grandmother, for example, for example, earlier in her life really was resistant. But this is a great opportunity to, to get our seniors online and, 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 and being part of community. So I guess, you know, yeah. why not why not just have the seniors sort of shelter in place and just let everybody else go about their business? And, and that's some of the things that I've sort of been hearing about people who are starting to feel the personal crunch of this and just generally get irritated. Well, there's a couple of reasons. Number one, the healthcare system will experience a surge. You see it in Italy, you see it in Iran, you see it in other France and, and, and now Spain. It isn't that, in some ways, you know, I can understand that thinking. Again, if I'm just going to get a mild cold, I'm a young person Mm -hmm. and likely to be okay, you know, why why take action? Well, the problem is we're spreading it around. And as the numbers get higher, there are going to be young people who end up in the hospital. In France, right now, in the intensive care units, half of those patients are under the age of 65. I want all the listeners to stop, sorry, 55. I want all the listeners to stop and think about that for a second. There's a doctor in Seattle, an ER doctor in his 40s, who is healthy, who is in the intensive care unit with this disease. While I don't want to, and I'm not trying to get people to panic because those are the exceptions, this is something to take seriously in the general population as well. But, oh, you know, four out of five of us, you know, 80% of us are, are relatively low risk if we get this disease. It's our responsibility to stop the spread so that we prevent that surge. If everybody gets it at once, there are going to be a lot too many sick people for the hospitals to handle. 
So uh, and that's that's the important thing for young people. I agree. And I really applaud, you know, some of the businesses that are really starting to be forward thinking. You know, they're doing their major cleanings overnight and then they're allowing in some places, particularly like I heard um, Dollar General, for example, you know, the very first hour that they're opened during the day, it's only going to be for older adults and at-risk populations. And so I, I'm... I'm really grateful for that because the reality of it is some older adults, unfortunately, don't have anybody to call upon. Uh, so if they really, really have to get out, you know, I definitely encourage them to seek out places that actually have special hours for them for protection. And yes, I, you know, people don't have to just stay home. You mm -hmm. can go for a walk if you practice social distancing. Get outside a little bit. Get some fresh air. I don't want people to just sit in their houses for three months. But right. you just need to practice <laughs> smart social distancing. Um, you know, exercise is an important, you know, mental health, uh, try, not treatment, that's not the right word, but it's going to help people cope. We need, mm -hmm. we need to exercise. We need to get outside a little bit, get some fresh air. That's perfectly safe. Just practice social distancing and you're going to help prevent the spread of this infection. So Dr. Walk, what if I am feeling not well? Do I just go ahead and go to urgent care or the ER or my doctor's office? Is that what's recommended? Or what am I supposed to do if I'm starting to feel symptoms? Thank you so much, Nicole, for bringing that up. We are really encouraging folks to not access the healthcare system if they have mild symptoms. And I'm going to, I'm going to pair, I'm going to actually take that back a little bit. We want them to access the healthcare system, but not just drive up to the ER or drive up to their urgent care. Those places are going to be inundated with patients. And what's going to happen is it's going to be very important to be able to take care of the sickest ones. So for mildly ill patients, we do need to know if you have COVID-19, but there are ways that we can do that. And every day it's getting better and better with testing. So if you feel ill, number one, you need to, again, isolation is important. Make sure that you stay away from your family. Number two, use telephonic and telemedicine resources. So the first call should be to your primary care. The primary care clinicians are being educated around the state right now on how to get testing done. UNC has taken a great leadership position and has set up respiratory diagnostic centers, including drive-through centers that are opening up every day all throughout the state. There are two open in Wake County. They do not want people just to show up there. There is a phone number which we can link to your website that you can call, the public can call, to get screened, and then they will direct you to those centers. Uh, just one last thing is, is telemedicine. So almost all the health plans have now made telemedicine free. So if you call your health plan, you, you can probably, most, most people should have access to, to uh, internet-based health care that should be free. So you can get a lot of good advice from a, a doctor or a nurse practitioner or a PA over the internet. He is Dr. Adam Wolk with Alignment Healthcare. Dr. Wolk, thank you so much for coming on this evening and for sharing us, sharing with us these uh, incredibly valuable resources and your knowledge. It's, it's incredibly helpful at this time. All right. Well, thank you for helping spread the message. A quick break and back with more. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. Joined by Nicole Cleggett from Transitions Guiding Lights. Here's your host, Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. 
And Nicole, this is a, a little bit of a different show. We're used to having guests here in the studio, but we're practicing our own social distancing and we're having uh, all of our guests on remotely. So uh, a little bit different show, but that's okay. You know, we're, we're getting used to it. We're that's doing right. our part. We're trying to do the right thing. And I think you and I are good at least six feet apart from each oh, other. Oh, at so least. We are at good. <laughs> yes. And you've got yourself wrapped in your own hazmat I, suit. I do. So. I got bubble wrap around that's me. Right. You know, so you're, I'm always uh, running into everything anyway. So You're very right. cautious. You're very cautious. <laughs> well, let's welcome our next guest. We have Trish Cook here on the line. She is a aging life care manager, also a gerontologist and owner of Cook Care Management. And Trish is going to help us discuss the elements of a solid aging plan. And we're also going to get into a little bit of COVID-19 talk as well. Trish, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, so um, you know, Trish has been a partner of ours for, for a long time, and she does an amazing job as an aging life care manager. And I just thought, why don't we just start off talking a little bit about what exactly is an aging life care manager? Yeah, so a care manager is somebody who helps navigate the variety of different settings in somebody's life. And that can be anything from trying to stay home and working with your family and friends and community neighbors um, to coming up with a plan to be home safely, to trying to find placement um, and trying to keep a social life involved and making sure that financial health and everything is involved um, to its best ability. Yeah, so, you know, we have at, at Transitions Guiding Lights, a lot of times family caregivers calling us sort of somewhat in the beginning of the process where they're just really starting to look for some additional resources to help them when they're starting to struggle and get really stressed about sort of all of the newer demands that are being created by an aging loved one. And it's funny, you know, a lot of times people don't really consider themselves a family caregiver unless they're actually providing personal physical hands-on care, like assistance with bathing mm -hmm. or dressing or grooming. Um, but the reality of it is, is family caregiving actually starts way before that for some people. I mean, I know in some situations, a sudden stroke will happen and you're suddenly in the throes of it. But for a lot of aging Americans, you know, they start pulling on loved ones way further upstream when they're just starting to need some assistance, perhaps with organizing medical appointments or going to the grocery store to pick up some food because they're just not feeling up to it. Things of that nature. Uh, when do you think folks should really start to think about really starting to utilize an aging life care manager? I personally feel like as soon as you feel like you have a loved one who is starting to age and wants to create a plan, um, it's not necessarily about having a crisis moment and waiting till that crisis to hire a care manager. In fact, we're much more effective if we already know somebody in advance of a crisis, because then we are able to actually go into that situation knowing who that person is, what they want, how the family would like to see things happen as well, and really be able to work the most effectively for that person and advocate for what they want. Definitely. And, you know, the thing about, you know, entering in and bringing in an outside resource such as an aging life care manager, I think sometimes people are a little bit nervous about taking that step. But things like aging life care managers, you know, this doesn't need to be a situation where that 
person or that organization is sort of involved in your life on a week-by-week basis. It could be very much sort of brokering that conversation between a parent and a child and really just starting to navigate, you know, what does your future look like? What what types of things would you want to be put into place so that when there is that sort of tipping moment and there's a crisis, people are not in a panic? Absolutely. We have a few clients who that's exactly what it is. We go in, we do our initial assessment, go over that care plan, which we're going to talk about today, and touch base with them every six months and just check in. How's life? How are things going? Nothing changes? We're okay. Talk to you again in six months. Call us if you need us. And I think that's just a nice backup for families to have. And I also think, you know, it's particularly difficult when, you know, you, you're, you're an adult child and then suddenly you're starting to feel like the roles are beginning to reverse a little bit. And that is really not something to take lightly. Uh, you know, kind of you're always in that child role in that parent's eyes. And so when you're suddenly feeling like you need to talk to them about the things that you feel that they should be doing to help protect themselves or maintain their independence longer, sometimes that message is not really received well by that aging parent. I can specifically speak to a situation with my dad you know my my mom passed away and I went to visit him one day and he is not particularly elderly right I mean he just turned 70 uh, but he, you know he he mentioned to me you know I'm just you know, I really just don't feel like cooking and I'm not really cooking that much and so then for the holidays that following year I decided well you know what I'm gonna kind of buy him like a, a really nice meal pan, plan like we all see online you know and they send those really nice gourmet meals to the house. And I thought, well, that'll be a nice little treat for somebody who has everything. Well, I will tell you what, that was not received well, because suddenly it was, are you saying I can't take care of myself and and things like that. And so I feel like, you know, it can be sort of difficult to try to help that person maintain their independence if they're feeling like you're trying to really take control of their lives. And I think that's sort of how my dad took what I tried to do as, a, as my gesture, which was in good intention and goodwill. So I think sometimes bringing in an aging life care professional helps to sort of be that mediator or that third party that can look at the situation without all the emotions tied in it and really help make some recommendations and help get things put into place and emotionally diffuse the situation. It sure can. There are many occasions where I will be working with a family and especially the adult children talking about what our plan is and how we're going to speak with mom or dad about X, Y, or Z because of the assessment that had been done. And They will tell me, oh, I've already told mom that. I've already told dad that. They're not going to be okay with it. And I will go in and say exactly what they've already said before. And because it's come from not them, it's okay. Right. And it's amazing how that just that one little change, that dynamic change is a huge difference. So I guess I'll say to those listening, you know, if, if you have a loved one that you're really feeling like needs some additional help or needs needs to really work on some planning, just because you have not had luck or other family members have not have luck, try not to give up and try to give, you know, a, a person like an aging life care professional an opportunity to go in because what you're seeing and what your gut is telling you is probably right it's just a matter of you know who's the messenger and sometimes the messenger can be a family or a friend or a physician or you know gosh it could be the 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 beautician down the street but other times it really needs to come from an outside healthcare professional for sure so what are some of the elements of a solid aging plan 
Well, so some of the elements that we really focus on when we do our care assessments um, are, I'm going to list them real quick. They're just social, emotional, medical, physical, legal, financial, family, and community. And each one of those has its own subset of pieces. Um, and each one of those topics are so important to know what the person is, what they want. Um, when I say that, I mean if the family member is taking care of mom or dad and we are looking at social, it's not what the family member wants, it's what mom or dad wants. And trying to maintain those pieces as best as possible given the other circumstances. Um, so those elements when we're talking about the social, we're talking about social isolation. Are they typically a homebody? Are they typically a social butterfly and out and about? Um, and making sure that we are creating those resources and options for them based on what it is that their life has always been and not to change them in any way. So definitely is taking a very holistic approach. And when we get back, I want to talk a little bit about really the elements of a plan to keep a person healthy during this COVID-19 crisis and really looking at that whole person and not just worrying about getting the groceries, but really how do we make that older adult feel comfortable during a time when they're feeling a little bit isolated? We'll look into that in just a bit. We have Trish Cook here with us. She is a aging life care manager, also a gerontologist and owner of Cook Care Management. And we'll continue our conversation with her right after this. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. With your hosts, Nicole Cleggett and Jason Kong. News Radio 680 WPTF, this is Aging Matters. Care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It is your life, your care. I am Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. Our guest with us is Trish Cook. She is a aging life care manager, also a gerontologist and owner of Cook Care Management. And we're talking all about uh, having elements of a solid aging plan and what that means and uh, the role of an aging life care manager and how that can help us, Nicole. Yeah, you know, uh, we've had several phone calls over at Transitions Guiding Lights in the last week with long-distance family caregivers who are not literally here to come and actually be a physical presence and help their loved ones during the uh, COVID-19 crisis that we're currently in. And really, you know, not only are they concerned about, geez, you know, Will there be groceries in the grocery store because they're just not even that familiar with our geographic region for my loved one? Or, you know, who's going to actually be there to take care of them? Or, you know, I have medical staff coming in and out of the home, and how do I know they're not going to be bringing the virus in? And so in a lot of these cases, you know, we have gone ahead and suggested that these folks reach out to aging life care managers, especially when they're long distance to be sort of that eyes and ears and really that air traffic controller for that family caregiver if that family member is not able to physically travel in to check on their loved one. So I'm just wondering, Trish, you know, 
when we're thinking about the COVID-19 and really how our older adults are the at-risk population uh, for um, having a serious complication if they were to contract this virus, what are some things that we can do when we're looking at the holistic realm of every single one of us as a human being to make sure that those older adults are not feeling completely isolated during this time? Technology is a beautiful thing. And if we can work with communities, um, providing, of course, they're in a community setting, if they're in a community, we can work with them and have face-to-face time, do the FaceTime on the phone or use an Alexa and work with whatever technologies the facility is allowing and able to work with to have that socialization and let them know they're not alone. I think that that is one of the bigger elements of this is that this is causing social isolation. Definitely. It's definitely causing social isolation. And, you know, we oftentimes talk on the show about how Older adults are already at risk for that because of, you know, a lot of times they may not have family around or they may be more physically unable to get out of the house like they once were. And so that already puts older adults at risk for, you know, depression and anxiety and, you know, even malnutrition just because, I mean, frankly, when I'm home alone, I'll be just glad to eat a box of Cocoa Puffs, I really don't care to make a whole big meal. So, you know, all of those things come into play. And then even more so now during this time, even when senior centers are closing, and they can't even get out and do some of those social activities that they were once doing. So what are some other things that we might be able to do, Trish, just sort of brainstorming here with you on air, uh, to really help feel like those older adults have the arms of the community wrapped around them, even though when we can't technically touch each other? Absolutely. Other things that I have been trying very hard to work with my clients, especially if they're home, is to make sure that they have the groceries, the medications, they're prepared and not panicking. Right. Naturally, this is a scary time. It's scary for everybody. But when you know you're the target population, this is even worse. So my clients who are home and anybody who's home it's so important that they know that they do have support. And while we might not be able to always go and visit and see them, to be able to order groceries for them and have them delivered to their house Mm -hmm. or to call the pharmacy and get those medications to them so they don't have to be out and trying to get them themselves. You know, another thing, you know, gosh, well, this entire state all has our school children at home with us. And so, you know, (laughs) we're all looking for things for the kids to do, right? You know, we're not going to the bowling lanes or to the movie theaters right now. So, you know, even having your kids draw little craft projects and, you know, dropping them off uh, or mailing them to, I should say, mailing them to assisted living or nursing homes or even mailing them over to Meals on Wheels. And then when they're delivering congregate meals or the packaged meals to the older adults, you know, they could have a little smiling picture from a five-year-old or an eight-year-old or a little note from a 15-year-old just to make them feel like they're connected. That is such a wonderful idea. So what else? So, you know, making sure that you have meals, making sure you can be connected to medical appointments. What are some of the other things that, you know, we need really need to be thinking about right now during this crisis? As I said earlier, I think the biggest piece is to not panic. If Mm -hmm. you are taking care of a loved one who is not in the state that you're in and you're trying to monitor from a distance, it's hard to not panic and it's hard to not raise those red flags 
for your loved one at home. Um, so I think that it's really important for that piece to try to keep calm, know that they are doing everything that they can to maintain their safety. Um, of course, social distancing. I think that's naturally a thing at this point. Um, and just really to keep involved as best as possible, but be safe, be protected, wash your hands eight million times a day if necessary. Um, but really to follow the guidelines of the CDC and do what we need to do to help keep this at a low. Well, Trish, I want to thank you so much for joining us today on Aging Matters. It's been a pleasure to speak with you, and I'd like some of your common sense tips on really how to get through this time. I think folks listening will really appreciate that. Absolutely. Thank you. Trish Cook, she is a aging life care manager, a gerontologist, and also owner of Cook Care Management. Trish, what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you if they are in need of an aging life care manager? They can call my cell phone, which is number 973-534-0930, or they can reach out to us via our website, which is cookcm.com, or you can email me at Trish at cookcm.com. Cookcm.com, or you can call 973-534-0930. Trish, thank you so much for taking some time this evening to speak with us. Thank you. A quick break and back with more. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Nicole Cleggett and Jason Kong. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It is your life, your care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett who represents Transitions Life Care and Transitions Guiding Lights. You can find more online at transitionslifecare.org. And Nicole, we're uh, switching gears here, and we're going to be talking now about when is it time to make a living change. And uh, this is always an important topic because a lot of times this is kind of sprung on us and uh, not something that we've generally prepared for, but we brought in an expert to help us find out more information on when it's time to make a decision like this. And uh, that expert is Paige Van Letten. She is the Community Relations Director with Always Best Care. Paige, thank you so much for joining us this evening. You're so welcome. I'm thrilled to be here. So definitely a, a, a topic on people's minds, especially when they start noticing changes in their loved one's ability to function safely at home is, when is it time to make a living change? And I think a lot of times people come to the ultimate decision probably when they could have done it a bit sooner. Absolutely. That is definitely a trend that I see is that people are scared to make that final transition move. And the thing I want people to know is that nothing is final. You can make different transitional moves throughout. And there's, I, I have nine different signs that um, I will talk to different families about to see what level 
of move needs to happen. So let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, you know, some some things sort of come to my mind working in the industry as the no-brainers of it's time to make a change. But what are some of the telltale signs that families really need to start coming together and opening up that conversation about, gee, is this really the best place for mom? And, and you know, moving doesn't necessarily mean not moving from one independent home to another. It may just mean you know, changing to a one-floor home or making some modifications, correct? Absolutely. It can be anything from staying at the family home and adding some supportive services, moving into an independent living or an over-55 apartment. Um, Then there's assisted living, memory cares, residential care homes. And then, you know, a lot is the the final move could be to a skilled nursing facility. So it doesn't have to go directly from the family home into a skilled nursing facility. So given that in mind, you know, what are some of the some of the signs for folks that are maybe more independent that it may be time to start making a move? I know for um, my husband's grandmother, one of the signs was, well, she had asked him to go upstairs and get something off of a dresser, a jewelry box that had been there probably for five years without actually ever being dusted, not to make fun of her her ability to clean her home, but literally she probably hadn't been upstairs in five years. So everything was exactly where she said it was, and you could tell it was like walking into a museum. Absolutely. Um Probably she had the fear of the stairs, Mm -hmm. the fear of a fall. Those are two big things that a family can discuss with their loved one. Another one is, have they experienced feelings of isolation during the day or the night? Do they need that social interaction? Um, that, That fear of a fall and no one finding them is a huge um, indicator that it might be time for some type of of a move. Well, fear of a fall can be literally paralyzing, and almost the fear of the fall actually puts you at more risk to fall. I mean, I, I've seen scientific studies Absolutely. about that because you just you're just you just literally change the way you walk and the way you behave, and you become more sedentary, which then makes it when you do have to move more likely to actually fall. So that that is definitely a great one to bring up, Paige. And a lot of people actually don't bring that up, so I, I appreciate the fact that you did mention that for sure. I think another one is also, you know, unexplained bruising, right? Suddenly, you know, mom or dad has a lot of bruises, which may indicate that they are falling. Uh, Absolutely. And, you know, because of the fear of the fall, another thing that um, our elderly community stops doing is is, um, hydrating. Because then every time they feel that they have a glass of water, I've got to get up to go to the restroom and that dehydration can also help with the bruising. So that is two different points to think of if you are starting to see additional bruising or color changes on their skin. I think another thing too, Paige, would be, you know, really looking around the home and is it not kept up the way it was? And I'm not talking about some little clutter here or there. Obviously, you know, mom can't get up on the step stool to dust the top of that other that cabinet that, you know, she loves. But really, you know, are there some major things that are just structurally not being kept up with the home? Or are there obviously signs that they're not going to the grocery store as often because some food is spoiled in the refrigerator or perhaps there just isn't food in the refrigerator? refrigerator, things of that nature. You are absolutely describing my grandmother from a few years ago. She was one of the cleanest ladies that I knew. And every time I would go, 
I would notice the dust bunnies were a lot bigger than they used to be and that the food in the refrigerator had spoiled. And um, there are absolute great programs that are out there because meal management is another one of those signs that it may be time. Are they able to get up and truly have breakfast, lunch, and dinner and have, you know, a snack throughout the day? And um, it, one of the, the things is, are they overwhelmed by the daily home maintenance yes. responsibilities mm-hmm. of living independently? And one of the sad, sad things that, that, that does happen in this world from time to time, we hear it, you know, here and there, and, and it probably happens more often than we care to even want to admit to ourselves, is that, you know, there are sometimes some businesses out there that exist that kind of go around and look for signs of an unkept home or yards that aren't being kept up or things of that nature. And you'll have people come and say, you know, hey, you know, it looks like your entire roof needs to be repaired and that person's not able to get on a ladder themselves anymore and look. So if you're if you're noticing that, you know, your loved ones suddenly spending money on things that they didn't typically spend money on and aren't really checking as carefully, that really could be a sign, too, that they're just getting overwhelmed with that home maintenance and don't want to lose their home because that's probably their biggest asset. So they're listening to the advice of some people that maybe can't be trusted. Uh, when you were describing that, I was thinking of scammers going through mm-hmm. the, the neighborhoods and, and coming online and that, you know, our um, elder community is the prime suspects or the, the, the prime the people that the scammers go for. Um, another indicator is if every time that you go to see mom or dad or grandma, they're wearing the same exact clothes. Mm-hmm. And maybe those clothes aren't as clean as they used to be. Um, or there is a, an odor that is um, an uncomfortable odor because they're just not able to help themselves getting dressed, bathing, using the bathroom, Medication management is one of the other biggest triggers. Are are they getting, are you noticing that their um, prescriptions aren't um, run out by the end of the month? Are they taking their their medication as they should be? I also think, too, Paige, you know, another thing that folks oftentimes um, run into is really when we're starting to have some of those issues with memory, right? So, if mom, if mom is cooking, you know, is she leaving the stove on too long? You know, is she forgetting to even take her medications? Are we, are we starting to find that she's repeating herself? Or even sometimes wandering comes into play when a person goes outside and, and just sort of walks off and then doesn't know how to get back home. And so those are also, you know, some big, big warning signs that it's time to make a change. Uh, that, that is absolutely true. And, you know, another big um, obstacle that people feel is the um, the cost involved in these moves. And it doesn't have to be a drastic cost increase. There are different levels of um, senior living. And, you know, talking to an expert and seeing what is out there and what are the true needs to keep it as inexpensive as possible for as long as possible, but for them to feel safe, to not be isolated, and to have their needs met. So let's just say we identify that it is time to make a living change. How do we know what is the appropriate next place? Talking to a trustworthy person, and that is, you know, that is very um, involved in the industry and knows what options are out there because for a lot of us 
um, when we're thinking about our parents or our grandparents, we have the image of an old nursing home in our head. Mm, yep, and cinder block walls, all, everything white, bad smell. I mean, these it, are the things that these are these are the myths that of of, of places that um, we all picture. And that is not what is out there, especially, you know, living in North Carolina, we are on the cusp of some amazing senior living opportunities. And, you know, a 70-year-old can go into an independent living opportunity and thrive and find hobbies that they never had time to find in the past and friendship mm-hmm. and not being isolated. That fear of being isolated is such a big one. And you don't have to go from feeling like you need to take care of yourself 100% to the nursing home. There are so many steps in between. And, you know, going out, finding someone to tour with, and finding somebody that's trustworthy, that's not just trying to sell you a room, because there are different rooms and apartments and living opportunities for people to go thrive in. The other thing I think folks need to think about, too, is inaction creates a more drastic change down the road. So sometimes moving out of your home that you've lived in for 30 years to moving into an independent living community, perhaps with some supportive services will actually in effect, keep you more independent longer. Because if you have that fall in your home and you break your hip and you end up in the hospital and then you end up in rehab, the odds of you being able to regain back to where you were at are really not that great. But had you moved a little bit earlier when you started noticing some of those telltale signs, and and let's just face it, we all know what's going on with ourselves, and we all have that internal gut check. We just don't want to face it, and we want to deny it oftentimes. But making that decision earlier on and then moving in a place where there's some more supports and it's more designed for, you know, an older adult's needs can, in effect, extend your ability to live independently longer. Exactly. Nicole, you just hit the nail on the head. And and then having friends already developed in, in the community that you're living in, you have more of a want to get better if you're in that rehab. I tell so many families that a fall change is everything. Um, a, a If you hit your head, you break a hip. Um, and if you are able to, to, to use those supportive services and to get good meals and hydration, and you're taking your medicine properly, um, those are deal changers. And it gives you the opportunity to still stay independent longer, even though you may have made one of those changes earlier than you thought you would. She is Paige Linton, Paige Van Linton. She is the Community Relations Director with Always Best Care. Paige, if our listeners want to get a hold of you, what's the best way to do that? 919-453-0887 or Paige, P-A-I-G-E, at nc-seniorservices.com. That number again, 919-453-0887. Paige, thanks again for joining us this evening. We really appreciate your time. I truly appreciate y'all calling, and I just um, am here to help in any way. Thank you so much. 
Well, before we head out this evening, I want to let everyone know that uh, Transitions Guiding Lights is still open and functioning. Again, you can find plenty of information about them. GuidingLightsNC.org is the website. That's the best way to get a hold of them. And I know that uh, things are a little bit odd right now with a lot of these care centers um, on lockdown or not letting guests in. But if you do need assistance, please navigate to guidinglightsnc.org. I want to thank all of our guests this evening, Dr. Adam Wolk, Trish Cook, Paige Van Linton for uh, giving us their time and for helping us with uh, an odd situation here in the studio as we had everyone here remotely. But on behalf of Nicole Cleggett, I am Jason Kong, thanking you for listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Have a great night. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. For more information, log on to transitionslifecare.org.